Welcome to episode 13 of the COO's Corner podcast, the podcast exploring success factors in the world of business operations. And my name is Tamar Nelson, your host and a specialist in the area of operational resilience. And today we are exploring the topic, how to glide over challenges and rapidly innovate. Challenges seem to be on a high these days. No individual team or organization is spared or immune to it. We must all face them. Where can we find the best solutions? Past performance, mimicking the competition, or best industry practice, Hmm. or something totally different. Today, we're going to crack the code and unleash the superpowers that we all have with Paul Daniels. Hmm. Paul is the founder and CEO of Peripheral Thinkers, a collaborative think tank where entrepreneurs, business owners, and corporate leaders learn, share, and apply lessons that propel their companies beyond obstacles and change the trajectory of industry worldwide. His 40-year career spans more than two, and by the way, he doesn't look at the over 40. His 40-day career spans more than two dozen industries in 30 countries, solving some of the biggest problems for companies like General Electric, United Healthcare, WebMD, and AT&T. Paul is a contributing author to the latest Peak Performance book series, Mindset Tools for Entrepreneurs, scheduled to release for release in May of this year, so we need to stay tuned. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Tamar, it's great to be here. Long-time listener, first-time guest. Thank you. Oh, boy, it's a pleasure. You know, and, and I remember when you reached out to me, it was, I think it was a quote that I had, had shared by Albert Einstein. Yes. I, the important thing is not to stop questioning, never to lose holy curiosity. And if you know me, I'm a lover of quotes, and I love what, and, I, and I'm a very curious one. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so we're happy to have you here, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. And on this podcast, Paul, this is a space where we speak about all things operations and growth, whether yeah. on the business or an individual level. And I know, you know, one of the things that you believe is that we were all born with a set of superpowers just waiting to be unleashed. Right. What are these? Is curiosity one of them? And how can we help? How can they help us in life and in business? Yeah, right. So a little bit of my backstory. Um, I was during school. I was told that I was lazy, um, dumb, uh, a daydreamer. And that followed me through university, even into my professional career. And it was at age 40 that I realized that I was diagnosed with dyslexia. Now, it's, it's interesting because even at that age, people were still questioning, you know, Paul, you're not quite the same as everyone else. You, you don't think the same. And you come up with these ideas that are hard to grasp. Why, why do you do this? Um, just fit in. Uh, as soon as I figured out that I was dyslexic, then I, I began to research that. And it's only in the last several years that we've actually cracked the code to this dyslexic superpowers um, that come innately within people that have neurodiversity. 
So if you look at history throughout, uh, well, throughout history, some of the most prolific innovators from business pioneers to world-class athletes are and have been dyslexic from Einstein, which is your quote, to Henry Ford, Anne Bancroft, JFK, Da Vinci, Aaron Brockovich, uh, Richard Branson, Muhammad Ali, Agatha Christie, all of them were dyslexic and they took their, their roles to new heights and in some cases created new industries. These super skills that I talk about are a mirror to the super skills that are found in dyslexic innovators. And I call them peripheral thinking. And so for the last mm, more than a decade, almost two decades, I've been coaching uh, companies using those skills and more recently teaching them how to learn and apply them themselves. These skills, oh. yeah, go ahead, Tom. Oh, so, so you're saying that some are, some were born with it, but others can learn it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so break it down for us, Paul. How can yeah. peripheral thinking really help us in, in yeah. life or in business? So peripheral thinking is a set of super skills. And there's one that all, uh, dys, all dyslexic innovators have in common that is the easiest to learn and apply. In fact, we can do that in five minutes. Should we do it now? What, go right ahead. Okay, great. So if, uh, if you're listening to this and you're driving, um, don't do this. Just imagine that you do this. But if you're watching, then I really encourage you to try this. All right, so imagine that you're in a mountain field and that mountain field is covered with wildflowers. The sun is warm on your face. The air is crisp and it's cool. And as you look out on that mountain field, there's your challenge, rising like a, a monolith out of, the, out of the flowers. Okay, got that image? Yes. Great, okay, so now we're gonna do something unusual. We're gonna cover our eye. So take your hand and cover your eyes, mm -hmm. great. Now you can't see what's right in front of you, but what can you see? Well, you can move your eyes up to the left, to the right, down. In fact, if you're doing this, find something that you haven't noticed before. Wherever you are, something that you haven't noticed before. You got it? Yep. Okay, great. You can take your hand down. All right. Okay, so for me, it was a small um, spot on the wall of my office. I've been in this office a long time. Just now noticed that spot. Right. That's peripheral vision. Everyone understands peripheral vision. Mm. Now, if you look at what you hadn't seen before. So tomorrow, what did you see that you hadn't noticed before? I, I still have a, a bag in the corner there. Already. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Great. So you can look at that and now it's more, it's more detailed. It's more vivid. You, you can see it because you're staring at it. Yeah. That's peripheral awareness. So we go back to the mountain field and you imagine that challenge in front of you this time, imagine moving to the right, say a hundred yards. In your imagination, what does that new vantage point uncover about your challenge? Well, likely you see more details, maybe the depth of that monolith. And you can do that same thing by walking all the way around in your mind, that challenge, 360 degree review, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a team, COOs, you've got a team, you can take your team with you and walk around that challenge and get a view of what is keeping you from your goals. The problem is that 
that's still from your right that's what i was just gonna say it's still my vantage point it's still right. my thinking is not correct a full yeah. 360 if it's right my and my... even with the team you right. can, you can use it's the the team's perhaps collective experiences exactly so we'll go back to that position some hundred yards to the right and this time instead of looking at your challenge turn the other way and imagine looking around now what do you see well, likely there are other objects, maybe different terrain, and there are people. But these people aren't part of your team. They're not part of your network. They're, they're not even part of your industry. Mm -hmm. And they're not looking at your challenge. They have their own. They've overcome challenges. They've reached goals. Their perspective may be just what your company needs as inspiration for your innovation. See, when we go into the periphery, shedding our own perspectives in search of new solutions, ideas, um, perspectives, we engage in peripheral thinking. And what we did in the mountain field is a, a skill called interpreting. Interpreting takes different ideas and solutions that are not related and it combines them in unique ways to create something new. Now, it's often that people will say, I, I, I get the idea and I, I like new ideas as long as they help me get places, but I, people are also risk averse Fair generally, enough. right? And thinking differently can feel risky, but without say, the, uh, the motivation from a global pandemic or uh, some major market shift, how will people find new ideas that aren't conventional, that aren't um, industry best practices? Who, who will deliver them new solutions and perspectives? How will the industry transform? Who will bring those things? Well, Tamar, you will. You will, and, and hear me on this, you can, because you can challenge convention more than you already do, be curious like you are, find new, low uh, risk paths to growth and, and, um, and achieve big goals in any marketplace when you know where and how to look. This, the dyslexic innovator thinks globally. Um, an example of that, when, when JFK said, you know what, we're going to put a person on the moon by the end of the, uh, by the, end of the decade. <laughs> Conventional wisdom said, you're going to do what? <laughs> Peripheral thinking said, okay, let's get busy. You may not know this, but 10%, about 10% of people are born with dyslexia. 20 to 30% of entrepreneurs, nearly 40% of self-made millionaires are dyslexic. NASA actively recruits people with dyslexia. Never knew that. And MIT has actually coined the phrase that dyslexia is the MIT disease because there are so many dyslexics that are in MIT. Wow. Nearly 50% of the people at NASA are dyslexic. Wow. So, so boy, you said so many you know, wonderful things just now. Um, shedding your perspectives, our own perspectives is what's going to help us to innovate. 
right? And it reminds me of something that I read the other day. It says, you, you know, to grow, you have to lose something. And, you know, one of those things is actually shedding, you know, our paradigms that we have held on to for decades that are definitely not working in this environment of great disruptions. So, you know, we have to think differently and having um, new thinking or, or, you know, expanding our thinking to what's on the periphery would definitely help us. But what would you say to someone, Paul, that's listening in saying, you know, this is great, but how do I really do this? Do you know this sounds like it will take a lot of time to do as well? Um, you know, right. what's the first step? How do I go about this? Well, you know, like uh, like any good change, the first step is acknowledging where you are. That and when we look at um, clients that we work with, the uh, it's not uncommon for us to talk about challenges like this. You have a challenge and the natural approach is for your mind to look at that challenge like we just discussed, maybe a 360 degree review. We look, our mind looks beyond the challenge to the goal that's keeping us from reaching that goal. And we look at that goal and the measurements and so on. We go, okay, so that's where I'm trying to go. This is the challenge. Now, I, I look to my past. What have I done in the past that, that has overcome these kinds of challenges or have been, has been helpful. So I check my references, my, my, my history. And then I look at the current environment. What are my colleagues doing? What are my, uh, my competitors doing? What industry trends are, um, are out there? And all of that informs my approach to overcoming this challenge. That's logical, it's conventional, it's common, right? You plan your work and you work your plan. Yeah. That is not what industry leaders and innovators do. They have a different process because they have different perspectives. So to begin that process is first to recognize that approach is part of maybe your industry's best practices. And at what point do your industry's best practices actually um, reinforce the narrow view of conventional wisdom. When you um, embrace that, then you can shed that and start looking around. I, I honestly believe this after doing, you know, for 40 years uh, and two and a half billion dollars in new revenue, that every element to the solution you need to overcome the challenge you're facing already exists. It already exists. You just need to know where and how to look. The where to look is everywhere. Look everywhere. At your Starbucks, in the conversation that you have on a podcast, in anywhere that you go offers opportunities for you to see something from a different perspective. Absolutely. And the how-to is with an open, curious, and interpreting mind. So I have, a, have an example. In 2010, I was working with a hospital in the Midwest. Uh, it was early in 2010. I remember this because it was so cold. <laughs> and we'd finished up this, this meeting, a couple of days strategy session, and the last uh, session that we had was on interpreting, this interpreting skill. Uh, 
I was talking with the director of the patient engagement department, and they were scheduling to do more advertising and uh, patient surveys, a bunch of common things to improve their satisfaction and, and their ranking as the hospital of choice. Um, she said that she couldn't meet with me the next week because she was taking her family on vacation to Hawaii. So we rescheduled. I went back to Texas and sure enough, I got a call late night on Sunday and it was from, we'll call her Jennifer Johnson. Mm -hmm. And she was so excited. She said, I've got to show you, I, I, I get it. This whole peripheral thinking thing. I get it. So hang on. I want to read you this text I just got. Okay. It says, Ms. Johnson, thanks for choosing the Waikoloa Village Resort. If there's anything I have to do to make your stay exceptional, call me. And Paul, it's, it's from the general manager. He gave me his personal number. Do you get it? I said, that's a great message. I've been to the property. They know a terrific guest experience. She says, my point exactly. What if we did the same thing for guests patients in my hospital. Like, oh yeah. She gets it because there was a proven solution in another industry, low risk with direct application to patients in her hospital, high immediate implication or immediate implementation. That was, you, you can think of it now because it happens a lot in 2022. You get these kinds of electronic messages from yes. doctors and, and whatnot. In 2010, right. it was, wasn't there. She was the impetus for starting that. And she's now the chief experience off, patient's experience officer of a 20 hospital health system. Right. She that's was in Hawaii. Something hit. She was thinking and went, why can't I do that here? You know, that remind me in the last podcast that our guests encourage us to surround ourselves with good people with different perspectives so we can have healthy debates and to look in other industries for, you know, ways of doing things better or to innovate in our own space. And Absolutely. right now you're saying that this is, this, this applies to the peripheral thinking model. It is. It is exactly what, um, you know, the peripheral model, peripheral thinking model is based on a, an image of the, eight super skills found innately within dyslexics. So our mind as a dyslexic, we're already there. I'm, I'm gathering all of this information all the time and I'm collecting it. And the neuro pathways to all of that um, is, is difficult to create the neuro pathways, but we've created tools like the peripheral resource library to allow you to document these kinds of things just quickly uh, document them and then use that library and a and this interpreting one piece of the interpreting skill to weave your way through all of the resources you have at your beck and call so to overcome a challenge or to reach a goal right so you had a, you had a <clears throat> sorry a four-step yeah. model i think it was four steps in terms of how to apply peripheral thinking, contact, context, content, and connect. Could you quickly yeah. just share that with our audience? Sure. Absolutely. So um, the, there are six C's in the, um, in the interpreting skill. 
and I'll, I'll do them briefly. And if you want more information, I'll just connect with me and ask for the peripheral resource library and mention this podcast. And I'll send you a free copy of that. No strings attached. I'm not going to, you know, bomb you with uh, sales calls or anything. Just send it because of Tamar and her great podcast. You can have access to this. The first C is contact. Go and find people outside your industry. Contact them. Get to know them. Let them get to know you. Now, a word of caution for those people that are very social. If you're on um, LinkedIn or Facebook in groups and communities, it's likely it's about your job or your, um, your interests or your industry. This is not the periphery. <laughs> you need to find fresh perspectives. Find something completely different. I call it the baker in Bulgaria. Actually, I have a contact. His name is Ivan, and he is a baker in Bulgaria. And I don't speak his language. He doesn't speak mine, but we connect. We talk through Google Translate. So that's the first C. The second C is context. Just get the backstory. What's it like for your contact? Uh, how did they get into business? What's their environment like? It's really just a snapshot of what it's, it's like um, in that environment. And it gives context to the, well, to the third C, which is content. This is where you learn from your contact what's working, what's not working, and why. These are lessons. These are approaches, processes, principles, and solutions. The fourth C is conclusion. What are the measurable results of the content? What it, about what's working and what's not working? That's the conclusion. And then there's a category. You can give that category. Let's say the conclusion um, was to uh, grow the business 2x. And so it, it, you achieve 2x growth, your baker in Bulgaria. So now you're going to give it a category. We'll call it growth or expansion or, I don't know, survival, whatever that is. And then the sixth C is the secret sauce. The secret sauce is connecting the dots. The sixth C is how you use the first five. And the first five make up that peripheral resource library. Connecting the dots is taking your original goal and the results of that original goal that you want to achieve. Maybe that is growing your business twice, 2x. So the conclusion of your goal is 2x revenue. The category might be growth or whatever. You take the category and the conclusion and you search your resource library for similar entries. And then you reference the content, the lessons, the principles, and so on. Because you need those fresh perspectives. They may not look exactly like what you want to do. They may have done something and achieved a goal, but it is uncommon for your industry. Yeah. That's where you break away from the, the, um, the business best practices and, and you accept the elements as fact. They did grow their business. They did overcome this challenge. They did reduce costs. They did find better people. They, they were able to retain their best people, whatever that is. Find multiple perspectives because you need multiple entries in order to, to play with them and say, can I align that principle to overcome the challenge that I have in front of me? Wow. That makes sense? 
It makes a lot of sense. Oh, good. Um, good. You know, because that's the only way we're going to think outside the box, right? By having fresh perspectives. And where are we going to get those fresh perspectives is from different people, different countries, different um, cultures, cultures, you know, and and that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast in the pandemic was, you know, to help COOs to find fresh perspectives from persons like themselves in other areas, other industries, uh, you know, who have superpowers and have been, you know, achieving great results as a result of those superpowers. So it has been done. Why not? learn from others and apply it, you know, in your own space. Exactly. So this is a great way of doing that. And um, just- It doesn't to- have to be an industry or another COO. There's a, a gentleman I meet with about every three weeks at Home Depot. He's a retired executive and he works in the, in the hardware area, the nuts and bolts and screws and stuff. His name's Mike. And we just talk about golf or whatever he wants to talk about for five or 10 minutes. I always walk away thinking, I wonder if I could apply what he just said to my client's challenge. I wonder what's there. Yeah. So I've learned a ton from wait staff at a restaurant to Mike at Home Depot uh, to people in two dozen industries in almost 30 countries. Absolutely. I, I always say to others that it's, you know, you can learn from everyone. Right. And, and, you know, in Jamaica, we have a lot of street vendors and you yes. sometimes stand on the road and just have a conversation while, you know, you buy a hot dog or have a cup of soup. Yeah. And it's always some great conversations. Yes. <laughs> and, and you're like, wow, when you leave inspired, you leave, um, you know, motivated and with a new fresh perspective on things. So, you know, it's always good to talk to people outside of, you know, your own field or industry and your fresh perspectives. Another thing that I have experienced too is, um, you know, learning something new gives a new fresh perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I I got my diver's license a few months ago. Oh, good for you. Yeah. And it was amazing. And let me tell you, you know, just, you know, chatting with the, the boat captain, and, you know, hear how he speaks about leadership. And, and I'm like, wow. And, and to see the applications, you know, for example, uh, one of the things in diving is breathing is very important. Mm-hmm. You know, and how to breathe through difficult times, you know, not to get too excited if something happens, but right. to think rationally. Those are things that apply. Or, or not diving by yourself, but diving with a body and having that body system. So right. you think you know, if how you can apply it to your own leadership, uh, your own teams, you know, so it's so important. So, you, so- you have a keynote speech right there, <laughs> learning to dive and the lessons of, of leadership. That's Woo-hoo! exactly right. Wow. There are, there are so many, there are so many analogies and lessons out there. Uh, you know, I just want to encourage your audience to, if you're not comfortable meeting other people, that's, that's Okay it's okay to learn from a book. You can learn firsthand or secondhand and you can apply. You can start adding things to your peripheral library right now, today. Uh, in fact, I take people through an exercise of just revisiting a child, uh, a fond childhood memory and 
and it's before I explain the peripheral thinking, uh, re peripheral resource library. And then we come back and they go, oh gosh, we just already did that. Yeah, you've already got your first entry. And then I share a story about myself and now you've got another one. Now you've got another one. You've got three or four. And now look at all the people in this room. Imagine, just imagine all the lessons that are available to you right now in this room. If you took an hour, 10 minutes with each person, goodness, six people could provide input that is beyond your wildest imagination that can apply today. There are more answers than questions. There are more paths than problems. There are more choices than challenges and more opportunities than obstacles when you know where and how to look. And now you know where and how to look. Okay, so that was a little more than five minutes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a mic drop right there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a portable, a tweetable moment, guys. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so Paul, what, 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 what is one myth about peripheral thinking that you'd want to debunk? What's one myth that you all, you know, something that you always hear persons when you speak um, of this concept? Sure. You know, there's this, uh, especially when I reference some of the peripheral thinkers that have, that are name recognizable, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm no Einstein, I'm no Richard Branson. Uh -huh. That is absolutely a myth that you don't need uh, creativity and, and uh, imagination. Yes, those are part of peripheral thinking. Mm -hmm. But let's be clear, everybody can create. To create is to cause something to happen because of someone's ac uh, actions. So you, listener, created a way to watch or listen this, to this podcast. So you're already creative. Interpreting or peripheral thinking just imagines how you can take ideas or input from unrelated sources and creatively apply them to new things. Peripheral thinking takes information from unlikely sources, combines them, create, uh, massages them and applies them in unique ways. When you do that, anything is possible. Wow. So my, my kind of, my quote that I live by is, you have access to everything you need to achieve anything you want. And now you know where and how to look for that. There are other skills on how to apply um, and, and other things that I'm happy to you know, talk with people about. But for today, that's probably enough. Maybe I blew some minds, maybe I didn't. Others are thinking, gosh, I do that all the time. Good for you. Expand your resources, go further because it's out there. Everything that you can imagine that you need today or tomorrow is out there. Don't be shy. Go get it. Wow. Wow. And I, and I think that, that that goes into my next question that I yeah. have in terms of what, because you actually help teams and organizations go through this process to, to look differently and see differently and see the opportunities that can help them to innovate. Um, What's one common mistake that you are seeing in organizations today? What's the number one mistake that is being made? There's, uh, and I've seen this my entire career, 
uh, in uh, in entrepreneurial ventures and working for you know uh, global 500 companies. There is a tendency to focus on one's industry in order to achieve that goal. Maybe it is the industry leadership or industry leader, or maybe it's a new position in that industry. I want to be in Gartner's group's magic quadrant, whatever that is. And the misconception is that I need to follow or apply the same approaches as those people that are in the magic quadrant. If you look at disruptors, if you look at people that truly change an industry, often they come from outside of that industry. I'm working with a, a, a small organization. I'm on the board of directors of a couple of companies. I'm meeting with a gentleman from New Zealand uh, on Thursday, this just uh, last Thursday. Uh, and his perspective from one industry and owning a company that didn't have software to support it created the genesis of software, not for that same industry, but for other industries, similar, but different. And he's now in 17 countries. Wow. In three years, 17 countries. Wow. Because he's, he, everything is on the table. Nothing's out. Oh, no, no, that's not, that's not part of our manufacturing industry. So we can't, you know, we can't do that. The biggest mistake is we all grew up with a parent or a grandparent or someone that grabbed our cheek and said, you're special, you're unique, you're a one of a kind. And that may be true, but not in business. So if you think that's the case and, and you're special and, and you need to do what is happening, this you know, industry best practices for your, your business, you're following the best practices of everyone else. So where's the differentiation, right? Some best practices, absolutely. You've got to follow the correct uh, financial practices and operational best practices. I get, get all of that. But really, how do you differentiate? It's be, by going outside of your current track and finding how other people are doing it in industries that have nothing to do with you. So I asked my, my clients, what does a baker in Bulgaria have to do with a foundry outside of Philadelphia? What does a movie theater in Malaysia have in common with a distribution center in Denver? What does a flu in China have to do with unemployment around the world? Now, conventional wisdom says they don't have a lot in common. Peripheral thinking says, oh, oh hang on. Yeah. They may have a lot more in common than you think. There may be some ideas here that we could apply. And off you go. Yeah, yeah. So Does that answer the question? It answers it 100%. Okay, it, um, I can hear the heads and see the heads nodding, listening <laughs> in to, to you just speak just now with those examples. It, it really brought the point home. So, the, you know, in... What has been the results that you have seen with companies that have taken this journey of embarking on peripheral thinking? What, what do they, their innovations look like? What does their growth look like um, in, a, yeah. in a year or two or five years? Share with us your experience. Sure. So there was um, a healthcare system, a, a, a healthcare insurance company that I worked with years ago. And 
their challenge as a company was to raise capital to go after a very large account, the AARP account. So um, an insurance company getting AARP was guaranteed to generate billions of dollars for them. And they needed money to, they needed to raise some capital for what's called a war chest, which is basically to fund the initiative to campaign to win that business. Well, our solution wasn't, we weren't in financing. We were in IT outsourcing. But by tying the need of the client along with a couple of other financial um, uh, approaches, uh, we were able to win that business, provide $20 million in immediate savings, which they turned around in 18 months, turned it into $1.2 billion in annual revenue. Wow. Annual revenue. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right. And I, and I used the principle, ready for this? I used the principle of, of right of first refusal from... Uh, from the real estate industry. My wife and I had been looking for some property in Texas and we came across a piece of land that wasn't for sale, but we talked, we found who the owner was and we spent some time with him sitting on his front porch, drinking iced tea like you do in Texas. Yeah. Uh, and it was then that I learned about this first right of refusal, which means, look, if it's amicable for both of us, I, will, uh, I would like to be the first person, if you choose to sell the land, that you contact. And we can talk about pricing now, we can save it for later, whatever, but I just wanna be first in line. And so when I went to meet with the executive at this insurance company, I did the same thing. I think I know what you're looking for. I just need to be first one in line because we don't have time for this to be a very competitive um, environment. And of course they're very large and they would have done an RFP and a bunch of other things. Right. But I was able to create a letter of intent, which looked a lot like right of first refusal. And in the first meeting, I walked out with a letter of intent. Six months later, the deal was signed. So I'm not saying that to, to brag or anything. I'm just pointing out that I used a, a real estate principle to attract the attention and capture their interest of this client. And then they've been a client of mine, you know, ever since, not in that perspective, but on the consulting side, I helped them take things from other industries and apply them in unique ways to, to remain one of the top insurance companies um, in the country, in the world. Wow. Well, thank, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And I, I'm sure that a lot of persons will be looking that up and seeing how they can apply the right of first refusal to their own system right. as well. Right. So, yeah. And so, so we, we had no competition. It was competition free. And that's how we did it in six months. Right. So you, you save on time, you, you know, save yep. on costs, increase your, you know, mm-hmm. short turnaround time. And, you know, so many wins right exactly. there. Exactly. I knew I needed to, to, in order to meet it, that this is what I had to do. Uh, and the team, you know, executed perfectly and they were terrific um, and client have been um, ever since. Wow. So they have a lifelong client as well. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> many right. benefits, many benefits to your ladies and gentlemen. So yeah. 
you, you have you have shared a lot of, of things with us. But what are the best resources that are out there that can help CEOs or C-suite or organizations in their growth journey? Yeah, I, I don't want to seem um, flippant on this response, but the best tools that that a COO has is the gray matter between her or his ears. <laughs> it's here. It really is here. Yes. Read the Wall Street Journal. Sure. Read Harvard Business Review. Sure. Uh, apply to and listen and read um, the magazines that are your industry's magazines. But when you expand this uh, and, and go to Hawaii and experience <laughs> something, go to Jamaica and That's talk perfect. to a street vendor, right? That's where the real growth happens, truly. That's where the real growth happens. It's in those experiences. If you go, even as, as a way for a vacation or holiday to get away and, and, and get some um, you know, rest and relaxation, mm. terrific. You're probably in a better mode then to be open to, uh, to new ideas and how things apply. Jennifer Johnson sure was. She didn't go to Hawaii looking for a solution for her hospital. She went to Hawaii to get away from the hospital for a week. Yeah. And she was there, checked in the hotel less than an hour, and she had the idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I had something similar to Jennifer. I, I went with my family to Grenada. And, uh, yeah. you know, we went with a team or, you know, men, students, and we were the the person, the chaperones yeah. went for the games and I'm there, you know, away from the, the job, relaxing and talking to the, the personnel at the hotel. And I was, you know, the, talking to the accountant uh, for the hotel and, you know, finding out his background, where he's from, <clears throat> learned that he went to school in Jamaica and, and, you know, we started talking and he, left something with me I never forgot. And this was a few years back. And he said, you know, how I remain successful and keep this business running is to always ensure that I take care of my team. Anything that my team puts on my desk, I make sure to get that out of the way. If they are waiting on something, I don't let them wait. I make sure they have everything they need to run. So whatever they need, I give it to them so that they can run because only when they run that, I am successful. So I don't let them wait on something that, you know, that is important for their next step. I ensure that anything that is needed is done. And I'm like, wow, and this is on vacation. And numerous times, that's always when, you, as I said, when you're relaxed that these thinking come in, but we have to capture them. And act on them. <laughs> right, right. But it's stuck with you for years now, right? And, yes. and that is a lesson that can be applied in any industry. Yeah. A good leader, um, there's a book called Leaders Eat Last, and it's a, a book from a military. Um, uh, it came from someone, I think it was in the Navy SEALs. But the, the point of it is, as a leader, we care for our people. And we put them first in order to achieve things. And so when it comes to peripheral thinking, um, this is a lesson that you don't want to keep to yourself. If you're a COO or a leader of your organization, you don't want to keep this message to yourself. You want to encourage your people to watch 
tomorrow's podcast to learn and to, uh, and to go out and find new things. Because then when your team really has an expansive set of professional and personal experiences, when you do that 360 degree review, if they're smart, they're taking the perspectives of other people with them. And now you've, you've expanded. And that 360 degree review is truly a view from a lot of different perspectives. Wow. Thank you for that, Paul. And, and we, are, we are wrapping up our interview and just wanted to ask you to step into my shoes for a little bit. Is there any question that I should have asked that I didn't? <laughs> um, how I've maintained my handsome good looks for so long. And look it's like probably... you're at a party. Yes, please let us know. Yeah, waking <laughs> up at 4.30 a.m. every morning, that's yep. one. <laughs> yep, uh, 4.30 every morning, get a run in, uh, be at the office by six, and uh, you know, use the best time of the day for you to get your best work done. Um, you've asked some terrific questions. I, I truly do love your podcast and the people that you've had on. And I think your audience is outstanding and they need, they need the help. They want the help. So um, I, I've, you, you've asked all the questions. If you ask more, I'll just continue talking. And I know <laughs> we've got a time limit, so we'll stop there. But I still have one last question I'm going to pop in and, you know, ask every guest in your career. I believe in the power of questions. Let yeah. me say that. I think, um, you know, you get the best outcomes from, you know, asking great questions. In yeah. your career, Paul, what is one question that you frequently use when you're working with teens to get the best outcomes? It's... <laughs> It's what if. So when working with teams, typically I'll get um, a response that is, is common. It's conventional. You know, it's plan your work, work your plan kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, what if you had access to, um, to different resources? What would that do? Well, like what kind of resources? I don't know. You decide. What if? What if, what if you knew with confidence that the answers for your questions aren't, aren't just out there, they're just right here. They're just on the other side of that desk. It's just outside that door. It's not around the world. Sure, if you need justification to go to Hawaii for a vacation or a business trip, quote me, that's fine. But it, the answers are truly everywhere. So the what if, instead of, uh, I don't think it's there, but what if it was there? And it changes that perspective to say, okay, well, maybe it is there. Well, if it is there, then what if? Well, then I need to go get it, right? Let's go get it. Wow, wow, wow. That, that will definitely expand the periphery by yeah. asking those what if questions. And then when I think of what if I go back to my, college days as an engineer and drawing those decision trees and saying an if then else yes and it just branches out and expands the more if statements they are so I, I really love that question I think that one is a first for this podcast so thank you for sharing Good. that lucky 13 yes right. Right. <laughs> it has been so much fun oh, the pleasure is mine 
you you have shared so much a wealth of information with us today um you know for those listening please just look at the show notes and we will put all the links to all the things that we have mentioned here we want to thank paul for being here and we want to thank our newer listeners for listening in and i hope you enjoy this discussion just as we did and um, share in the comments what you like most from this episode you can also continue the conversation with paul to learn more about how peripheral thinking can help your organization or to book paul to speak at your next event please go to www.pauldanielsjr.com and again, the link will be in the show notes and select the contact or hold the date tabs. You will be in for a treat as you can hear from this discussion, right? I hope that everyone will set new standards for success with this information. And I want to hear all about it. So you can reach out to me at tamarnelson.com or on LinkedIn at tamar-nelson if you want to share, if you want to be a guest, or any suggestions you may have, you know, please share them with me. I would love to hear from you. And, um, you know, leave a review on our rating on Apple Podcast. And do join us again for another information-packed episode. Stay curious, continually improve. Until next time, and as we say in Jamaica, walk good. <laughs>